The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and CDW. Hey, everybody, Jeff Joniak along my broadcast partner, Tom Thayer. Soon, Jim Miller and then the great Olin Krutz will join us at the bottom of the hour. This week's edition of Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy. Good to have you along on another snowy, cold night with many snowy, cold days to come. So we'll try to warm you up with some football conversation. Thanks to our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Barilli, and Brandon Fryer, along with help from Herb Lawrence. A lot going on in the NFL after the wrap-up of the Super Bowl. It's all focused now on... Who's going where and why and filling out coaching staffs? The carousel of quarterbacks will certainly dominate. We've touched on that for many weeks. We'll continue to do so as the rumor mill churns out a bunch of maybe half-baked truths, and maybe there's some good good information in there, but it is the lying season, so you got to be on your guard about it all. But uh, we'll break it all down with Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio coming up at around 6.08, and then Olin Krutz at the bottom of the hour. Uh, the Bears officially making senior defensive assistant Mike Pettin an official hire, coming over from the Green Bay Packers as defensive coordinator. And we welcome in Tom Thayer from the warm island of Maui. Buddy, how you doing? Oh, man, I hate when you do that introduction because every time I look at the weather report back home, I feel so bad for the people that are suffering through another polar vortex in the Midwest. <laughs> so it, it, I, I can't deny it. It's, it's, it's nice here. It's pleasant. But um, – when you talk about the new Bears hiring, I'm excited about it. I love bringing a guy aboard that is not going to have to be taught uh, about the division, about the personnel groupings. I think that really expedites how influential he can be in the brand-new start of the career of Sean Desai. So I'm excited for both of them. I think they have the opportunity to fit well together and work well together. So uh, on the outside looking in, you say, well, okay, you know, this is a completely new defensive staff, but it's not. There are three new defensive coaches, but there are other coaches, make it four defensive coaches that are brought in new, and then coaches now in new responsibilities beginning with Sean Desai. We're going to hear from him on Monday. He'll have his first introductory news conference as defensive coordinator, but he's been around a long time. He knows the personnel. Just want to be most intrigued by what is the slant he's going to put on this defense. Well, first question, if I was in the, in the audience, I would ask him, who's his biggest influence? Because as when we met Sean in the NFL level, you know, you got influence from uh, uh, Fangio, then you got uh, influences from Chuck last year. So, um, you know, who, what resonated with him? What did he feel out from the, the coaches that he was learning from? Um, so, and I'm just really excited to see how Sean presents himself in front of the media. We've got a lot of examples from the Zoom calls this past year, but really when the, the whole meeting is surrounded by you as a hire and what you're doing in the future, I'm, I'm really interested to see what happens Monday. Well, I think he'll do fine in that role. Uh, he does have some, some relationship, obviously, with the Chicago media since doing stuff, even, even on the Bears Coaches Show on WBBM over the years. Uh, when we we were able to do um, all the assistant coaches and they we, we transitioned into just doing coordinators, uh, you learned a lot about these assistant coaches. And at the at the beginning of his NFL career, learning a lot about his ability to be a teacher. Number one, that's what he 
was going to be. He was going to be a teacher. They call him Doc for a reason. You know, they do trust him and his in, in football intelligence and just his overall intelligence. How that translates to now calling your defense will be the biggest the biggest uh, insight that we can learn over the course of the season. And we won't find that out until the season. Yeah, but, you know, all, over the course when Sean came aboard to the, the Bears facility and we would get there super early on Monday mornings and Tuesday mornings, he was already there filtering information for the next opponents. So this is something that he's invested a lot of football time into learning about different offenses, different personnel, different types of schemes, and then how they all fit into place with the coordinators that he's worked with. So this is not something that he hasn't invested in. He's put a lot of time of himself and his family in order to get this opportunity presented to him. And listen, Bears fans, I mean, this is going to be a Vic Fangio type. I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure there'll be some blends here. you got all sorts of different influences on this defensive coaching staff now, but it, it was Vic who, you know, he'd love to have brought Sean Desai to, to Denver. Mike Penton worked with Vic Fangio in Baltimore. He was a Cleveland Browns head coach at one point. There's, there's all kinds of angles to this. Bill McGovern will be your inside linebackers coach. Bill Shuey, the outside linebackers coach, already in the system. Deshae Townsend, obviously. Mike Adams uh, has just shortly been removed from the NFL, and now he's an assistant secondary coach with 16 years of experience. Ron L. Williams and Shane Tobe are defensive quality control coaches, so a lot of names we've heard. We just don't know a lot about them because they've had other background jobs. You know, it's interesting, the foundations of the coaches that we've got to meet. Because we, when we met Matt Nagy's father, it's just, it's a football player. It's a blue-collar guy, and you talk about the experience. When you look at the father of Mike Patton, if you ever look at his career and what he was able to accomplish as a high school coach over 33 seasons, he had like a 342-24 and 24 record with multiple state championships. So it's just more of... You learn about the backgrounds of these dedicated coaches, and you think of some of the biggest influences uh, in their life, and it's it's those types of people. And Mike was a heck of a high school football coach also, right. Pennsylvania born and bred. So <laughs> you got a lot of Pennsylvania coming through here, that's for sure. All right, when we come back, we're going to take our first break. Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio, the Bears' 2001 starting quarterback in their playoff drive at Soldier Field and getting beat by the Philadelphia Eagles and our guy Hugh Douglas. Oh, what would have been? What would have been? I tell you, Dick Geron always said, if Jim just could have stayed healthy. That's what he always kept saying. We'll talk to Big Jim. Olin Kruitz at the bottom of the hour. It's all coming up on Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hey, Bears fans, when shopping for your game day celebrations, don't forget to pick up your favorite variety of Lay's potato chips and Tostitos. Tostitos and Lay's, an essential part of the game day tradition and the official chip of your Chicago Bears. Go Bears. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and we welcome in Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio, moving the chains with Pat Kerwin. Big Jim, how you feeling tonight? I'm doing great, Jeff. Tom, always good to be with you guys. Hey, uh, we're going to talk about the post-Super Bowl, first of all, but Real quick on the quarterback carousel. Everybody thinks because Matthew Stafford, at least this is my impression from what people are always bugging me about, hey, you know, when are the Bears going to get a quarterback or what are they doing at quarterback? How come it hasn't happened yet? Matthew Stafford gets traded and everybody thinks it's all going to happen at once. 
tell people that this is going to be a process for a lot of different reasons. One, you're not going to rush into anything. Roster bonuses aren't due until mid-March in most cases. There's the vetting process of exactly what the salary cap is going to be. If you're a team, you don't want to get – Put yourself in a bad bad spot because of what the salary cap might be for 2021 and beyond. Absolutely. I think teams want to get themselves fiscal, uh, fiscally you know, in order, get their house in order with the financials because you're, you're going to see a lot of guys out there. I mean, there are teams like New Orleans. New Orleans is $200 million over the cap. I mean, there are teams out there that are that are like that uh, right now. So you're going to see a lot of reductions, a lot of restructures. A lot of releases, just where they may approach a player. Player said, I'm not taking a pay cut. Well, team's got to get under the salary cap. They may be releasing uh, players uh, that are out there. So you're not going to see any players, uh, at least quarterbacks, sign from that standpoint. So let's say like Dak Prescott. Dallas right now is over the cap. Uh, they can't, you know, they're not going to start negotiating with uh, with uh, their quarterback just yet. Or do they have to place the tag on him? Because if they have to place a $40 million tag Second tag on Dak Prescott, that's going to significantly affect the the Dallas Cowboys and what they'll have to maneuver in order to stay under the salary cap. Or he may just be out there and, and be a free agent. I don't know if that happens, but there's a lot of things in this quarterback market that are really going to you know affect some things and why teams will go about this slowly. I know Carson Wentz has been in the news uh, quite a bit. Um, to me, he's worth pennies on the dollar right now. And that's why I think the latest report was uh, that they've been talking to the Colts. The Colts actually want more compensation. If they're going to take on that big contract, we will be getting more than everybody thinks. Oh, they'll just give up two two first round picks for Carson Wentz. No, he's not worth that because his contract's so big. Um, so there's going to be a lot of interesting things to have. But quarterbacks will be in the news a lot this off season because there'll be a ton of guys that are out there and potentially could become available. We know what's going on with Watson. We know what's going on with uh, Russell Wilson out there. Russell's interesting. I doubt Seattle gives him away uh, or trades him, but I guess you know if you sweeten the pot and make it so ridiculous uh, that they would move him. The reason why you like Russell and why teams have been calling, his contract's really friendly. The next three years, you can get him for like three years, $70 million. That's pretty good for, for a player of that caliber. That's why a lot of teams but, are calling it, it, Seattle. Big Jim, you know, what's yeah. something, uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about the quarterback position and I think Brady really confused the situation because now people, I don't know if you're looking for a long-term solution for the type of team you have surrounded, or are you looking for that glut gunslinger like Brady? So when you look at the first deal that went down with the Jared Goff and Matthew Stafford, it seemed like they immediately tried to capitalize on the success of Tampa Bay and then the big picture of the Super Bowl being there next year. So to me, when you look at all these quarterbacks, because, you know, Russell Wilson still has something left in the tank. Obviously, Deshaun Watson's a young man. And, but when you look at what uh, Indianapolis tried to do last year with Phillip Rivers, and is that their mentality? Or are they looking for long-term stability at quarterback? So I think Brady really kind of went and uh, kind of confused what every team's dream is looking forward at the quarterback position. Yeah, well, it's interesting because, you know, Carolina was in on that Matthew Stafford deal, too. They were going to give up their number 12 overall, but ultimately the Lions acquiesced and let, 
you know, Stafford kind of drove it. Hey, he's he's been a good, solid citizen. He has been the face of the franchise, almost like how Alex Smith, you know, Andy Reid went to Alex Smith and said, hey, where do you want to be? We've got this guy, Patrick Mahomes. And Alex said, hey, I'd like to go to Washington. And that's why Alex was traded there. And it's kind of the similar situation. Detroit, because Matthew's been nothing but a good soldier for the Lions. Hey, Matthew, where do you want to go? And he wanted to go to the to the L.A. Rams. And so that's what kind of drove those deals. But Carolina was interested because they're thinking of future, and, and Matthew still has many years ahead of him. And I think teams are looking that way at Carson Wentz. His best football literally should should be ahead of him. So I would think Carolina will probably make that call to uh, – to Philly as well, and there'll be more teams I think start to, starting to get into this mix for potentially Carson Wentz. All right, can I get, ask you guys this question though? This whole thing about it's it's kind of interesting to me because the NBA obviously the great players in the NBA can create a lot of their own destination. I think LeBron started that whole process years ago, but you know now because of Brady leaving New England, going to Tampa, winning a Super Bowl. You, you know that Aaron Rodgers wasn't pleased that Jordan Love was selected last year, and now mm-hmm. uh, the Russell Wilson, who I, I admire. I think he's an outstanding quarterback and leader and a really good face for a franchise. But coming out strong, you know, about getting hit and whatnot. There, there's, and we'll talk to Olin Kreutz about this at the bottom of the hour. I'm interested in his opinion as well. And you as players and Jim as a quarterback, the one thing I, a team has to do what it has to do, or even as it regards Wentz. He never said anything about it, but the insinuation is he didn't appreciate the drafting of Jalen Hurts. You got to accept competition. I mean, at every position, including that one. I, I, I just don't understand that type of thinking as a guy who's analyzed football here for the yeah. last 25, 30 years. I don't get that part. Do you believe that's okay, or do you guys both believe that that's an unnecessary reaction? Uh yeah, I think uh, players got to understand. You know, it's it's one thing for a player to say, "I why I want to be involved in personnel decisions." I mean, that that doesn't happen, and it, it shouldn't happen because you've got scouts, you've got people that that do that job. I mean, no offense to Russell Wilson, he's not scouting through all these wide receivers to or all these offensive linemen and watching every snap. They drafted fifteen offensive linemen for him up there in the Great Northwest, um, so he's not watching the tape on on these guys. He's not going to know about them. Or what they can and cannot do, um, and that's you know. But like for when it comes to free agents, uh, you know, I've had coaches approach me uh, about, "Hey, man, we're we're thinking about signing this guy. What what do you know about him?" Or say you're bringing on a coach on a staff. Like for Russell, I I don't see Russell going anywhere because he was part of Shane Walden do- joining that staff. All right, they want to make sure that yeah, our our quarterback is going to get along. This is the, what we're thinking, Russell. This is the philosophy we're we're looking to to bring here. What we're going to try and and make sure that relationship is good. I mean, I think we all understand that. But when it comes to uh, to personnel and, and decisions like that, I mean, the the players really aren't going to know. They're not, they're not grinding through the tape to know any better. And plus, it's the financial side of it too. It's one thing to say. I remember because when I arrived in New England. Bill Belichick was asking me about a couple players. He was asking about Big Cat Williams, who they signed, uh, and he asked me about Bobby Ingram. Uh, you know what I thought about because obviously Bobby went out and had some great years uh, in Seattle, and you know coaches will ask you information on that. Now whether they take that information and use it to make a decision, but they just want to get your thoughts right. on a player maybe that you've played with, and that's about it. Tom, I understand that. That's that's normal. I mean that yeah. that's a given. That's a yeah. given. 
You know, the personnel decisions is too sensitive for a player to be involved in in a lot of different directions because there is no secret. And when you talk about the war room leading up to the day of the draft, you're talking about a room that it's difficult to get in because they don't want to see the conversations that you're having behind closed doors. And then you talk about a player wanting to get involved. So what are they going to do, start promoting um, a player that their agent has attachment to? And then you're going to start getting involved in an, uh, a business end that's not necessarily unethical, but it's it's not realistic in terms of the secretive the secretiveness of uh, guys that hey I'm, you know I, I I want this guy to be around in the seventh round you know so maybe we can kind of you know just ignore him until he gets to that to that opportunity so for a player that's going to be around a shorter period of time um, and being involved in personnel decisions. No, I, I I would not have any agreement with that. It's, it's the old cliche: owners own, coaches mm-hmm. coach, players. Play. Yep. You know, yep. It, it really is because, and I know it seems to be an ugly situation down there in in you know Houston. Or if Russell Wilson is unhappy, which I don't think he is, I think uh, you know he just said, "Hey, they, you know, I've been getting sacked a lot." They're trying to address that uh, right now, so I don't see him uh, going anywhere. But at the end of the day, they're under contract. They have a no-trade clause, both of them. I mean, the, both those teams can just say, all right, fine, you don't you don't want to show up? Fine, don't don't show up. We'll just find you a million bucks. It's $40,000 a day. And I would, you know, that's the leverage the team has. The players really have no ev- leverage. So, you know, it's, it's kind of where it's at. Orlando Brown trying to talk his way out of Baltimore right now. Uh, okay. This is what we call the protest season, right, because there's no <laughs> football going on. They can protest all they want. They're not going anywhere. I call it the lying season. Maybe it's yeah. both. It's both. Yeah, he says he's a left tackle, and that's what he wants to be. So oh, he knows great. that's a big payday. Great. We just signed Ronnie Stanley for uh, $98 bucks, uh, but we do like how you played left tackle, but we'll, we're going to put you back over at the right. All right, we got to take a break. Jim Miller, our guest from SiriusXM NFL Radio with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an appointment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, and Jim Miller, our guest from SiriusXM NFL Radio. Olin Krutz coming up in about five minutes. Let's talk Super Bowl. First of all, I saw these statistics. I'm going to throw them at you. I love them. They're from the they're from the 55 Super Bowls, all right? Team with the fewest turnovers. No-brainer. 38-5 and five record. In Super Bowls. Team with the most rushing attempts. 46 and 7. And the team with the most rushing yards. 41 to 13. Now, again, if you're winning and you're salting the game away, you're going to get the more carries and the more yards. But I just, please, there's a place for a running game in, in the NFL. And there's a place for it in 2021 and beyond. So I know that you both will agree with me on that. Right, Tommy? Well, yeah, I, I think, Jim, you, I hope you're going to be in agreement because the guys that run the ball successfully, that's their game plan going into the game. It's not something that's offered to them in the mid middle of the first quarter and, you know, you got to you, you just events allow you to do it. This is what you come into the game plan. It's it's going to major. It's going to influence the, the rest of what you try to do on offense. But, yeah, I mean, 
a running game is has been a foundation of a lot of a lot of success in the NFL, and I think the Super Bowl proves it. As for I mean, just look at the teams in the postseason. Out of the out of the fourteen teams, I think ten of them are in that that top fourteen. And just in terms of how they run a football, we could go through Baltimore, Rams, Green Bay. I mean, it goes on and on and on of how well they uh, ran the football all season long. And that statistic in in the Super Bowl, I mean, for Tampa Bay to rush for 145 yards, and I thought uh, uh, Leonard Fournette, he was big for them down the stretch in what he w- was able to do. So, you know, and that's with the rookie right tackle. Look how well Tristan Wirfs played all year, and that's a pretty good offensive line that they surrounded Tampa Bay with. And unfortunately for Kansas City, they had three significant uh, injuries. Remember, Tardif opted out. Yeah. They signed Kelechi Osemele. He ends up tearing his pack. So they're basically down to their third right guard from that standpoint, and they lost both their tackles. Um, so, I mean, they're, it's definitely duly noted, Jeff, is what I'd say. you got to run the football. You know, one thing, Jim, during the introductions of the Super Bowl, one thing I noticed from having the injury, when I saw Patrick Mahomes walking from the locker room to the field, he kind of appeared to be walking with an uncomfortable step. It wasn't just a comfortable gait that you didn't think about. It. So to me, it was that that had a that had an effect on on him that how bad his foot is, and I know he's already scheduled to get surgery, but. Um, you know, I, I think um, with the quarterback position and how important it is in Kansas City, if you're less than 100% and the other team can see it, um, I, I think you try to take advantage of it. And you lose some of your advantage as the Kansas City Chiefs coaches and play callers. Well, the one thing that was stunning to me, NFL Next Gen Stats, Jim, 495 yards he scrambled in that game. Yeah, 490. I mean, it's a <laughs> – well, I mean, I mean, they were tracking him down like rabid dogs. Well, it's interesting, too, and Tom can, can comment on it, that Kansas City didn't help out any of their tackles. They kind of they live in what we call scat protection, which is just the five offensive linemen blocking, and they didn't, they didn't get out of it. They're just like, hey, this is who we are. This is what we've done all year, um, and they didn't really give their tackles any help, and they just felt like that they were going to roll uh, in the big game with what brought them there, and, and Tampa Bay – Definitely had uh, the players. They got healthy right away at the end, right, with Vita Vea. They got their top cornerback in Carlton Davis, and it's just a mismatch between Shaq Barrett and with JPP on the other side. They were destroying those tackles, specifically Shaq Barrett. He had eight sacks alone. They only had, they only blitzed five times in that whole game, Tampa Bay did. Once they realized that, that Tampa or uh, Kansas City was just going to go scat protection, they said, we don't need to blitz. We'll put those guys in coverage, not allow them to big play down the field uh, with that, uh, you know, with the speed that they have. They walled that stuff off, and then they uh, vert- horizontally, I should say, because they do a lot of the stuff outside. They had those guys stay home. They ran a lot of two man, and just make sure they didn't get beat deep. And that was a uh, really the the smelling sauce that it really put ta- uh, Kansas City uh, to bed because he was under duress the entire game after that first series. Time to welcome in, uh, you know, Jim Miller's aisle mate on the Bears team flights back in the day. (laughs) 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 There's a lot of stories about that. A lot. Aisle mate, Chris Valerio was in there too. Tom and I were in a row ahead of Olin. And uh, what was it? (laughs) Who sat back? Was that David? Who was, who was next to you, Olin? 
Wait, hold on now. This is not a podcast, right? Because these are no. HBO stories now. This is yeah, just, I know. We're gonna keep it. We're gonna keep. Hey, whatever happens. This is happened, Joe Rogan type stuff here. <laughs> whatever happened is not gonna be revealed. But you know, we're just talking personnel. Right. Oh, uh, Rex Tucker, right? Rex Tucker Rex was there back Tucker, there with us. Yeah. This was the back of the plane, right? I think Bobby Slater, the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers head trainer now, uh, was right. back there with us. So uh, we had we had a good crew back there. Good crew, and I just, you know, that's when you, this is when you listen twice as much as you speak back then. <laughs> <laughs> the plain Olin, Olin Krutz, the Bears, seven-time Pro Bowl center, joining us. Good to have you alongside. Thanks for taking out some time. We're still talking about the Super Bowl. You, hear, you mm-hmm. heard your old quarterback there talking about it uh, at the game. But the one thing that sticks out with me, and I know as I was asked about this uh, on Fox the other night, you know, would you consider dealing a player like Khalil Mack to get the quarterback that you want? And I, I said a flat-out no, because if you learned anything, and you always learn it from Super Bowls, when the final two teams are there, or even the teams that wind their way through the playoffs, line of scrimmage, baby. you got to have the pass mm-hmm. rushers, and you got to have an O-line. So it'll always be that way. It's a beginning end. You never have enough pass rushers, and the more you have, the better. So the Raiders... And I just saw this today, Olin, from Pro Football Focus. Again, everybody has a different opinion about Pro Football Focus. But since dealing Mac, 32nd, 26th, and 24th in pass pressure the last three years. So you know the value of just even that one man. Yeah, we, we've got to see Khalil Mack play here now for three years. And, and that guy, uh, if they're not turning the whole line to him and are changing their whole game plan to account for him, then he is getting pressure on the quarterback. And he has meant a lot to that Chicago Bears defense. But obviously, when you say you wouldn't trade him for a quarterback, well, it's always which quarterback are we talking about, right? But yeah. uh, the top quarterbacks, Mahomes, uh, you would imagine Watson and Russell Wilson, no matter what being said, and Aaron Rodgers, these guys are not getting out of their buildings unless the general manager wants to be remembered for being one of the dumbest general managers ever uh, <laughs> to work in the NFL. So, uh, you know, other than that, you're not trading Khalil Mack uh, for guys who aren't of that level, obviously, or that caliber. And, yeah, we saw it in the Super Bowl, and, and, and I heard Jim talking about the Chiefs didn't adjust. Um, Daryl uh, Williams, their third down back, uh, did a really bad job of chipping throughout the game. Uh, looks like he was more worried about getting out on his routes than actually helping Wiley, the right tackle. The guy they had Andrew Wiley, they had to move to right tackle because of all of their injuries. They never adjusted to it, and I think a lot of it was just arrogance because really if you think about it the only guy who has more pressures in a Super Bowl than Shaq Barrett is Nick Bosa from the uh, Super Bowl the year before and he was just constantly hounding Mahomes and they still won the game so I think they just figured eventually they would get away with it Uh, they didn't really adjust it kind of caught up to them you start to wonder about all the things that Andy Reid has been going through uh, with his son in that accident down there in Kansas City when you watch that game plan because look Uh, Most of us are parents. Most of us have kids. And you can't tell me that does not affect you and affect the energy of the football team. You know, it was something they just allowed to let Travis Kelsey catch the ball. You know, he's not going to get a lot of yards after the catch. They surrounded him. And, you know, all those exterior plays, they kind of stopped him in their tracks a majority of the time. So you got to enjoy the way that Tampa Bay defensive backs and, and linebackers, for that matter, trying to, you know, control the physical part of the game. Yeah, for sure. And, and they were up there really early on those early RPOs, right? I mean, 
I'm sure Jim and, and Tom, you said, and John, uh, Jeff, you saw it. Uh, they were very aggressive trying to take those RPOs away on first and second down, uh, really getting after those wide receivers, staying in their face. And like you said, Tom, really physical at the linebacker and defensive back positions. Uh, you know, really impressive whitehead playing with what we know was a really bad shoulder injury he got from causing that fumble up there in the Green Bay game. Uh, Winfield came back from injury. Uh, Todd Bowles just had a really good plan and basically just dared Andy Reid to run the ball uh, or we're going to stay in this too deep safety look, and Andy Reid never did. So they, what they did just kept working. Eventually, I heard Jim say scat protection. Uh, look, versus that kind of front, I was an offensive lineman. Tom was too. Uh, five on five, somebody is going to lose. And even if you have a really good offensive line, if the New Orleans Saints are going to go five on five versus uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers defensive line with Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, Gosen, and then Vita Vea back, Man, man, Tom, if you if you if you go out to help the tackle and I'm one of them with Vita Vea, me and you are probably arguing in the huddle about that. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to give Andy credit, they came out the second half and they tried to run that first series, but they only got a field goal, and then right, Tampa but they, they got yards, right? They went away from it immediately. Yeah, they, right? went they down, got they yards on that trap goal. play. Yeah, they scored a field goal, and Tampa right away had that big drive, and I think it was a 36-power play they ran, Olin, because mm-hmm. I remember seeing Ali Marpet pulling to come mm-hmm. around, and Leonard Fournette ran for the touchdown. And at that point, you, you and I both know, you're trading f- field goals for touchdowns, and then they were kind of out of the run after that. Mm-hmm. But he didn't start the game really running the football when you look at no. Andy Reid. And, and I think, Jim, i, I got to go watch it closer, and, and I'm, I'm sure you are too going to do it, but I think they were running that duel – and then yeah. what everybody's doing now is they're running like an outside counter off of that duel. And, yeah. and you'll see the coach run that with Quinton Nelson a lot. And I think that's what they ran on that play. And obviously, like you know, we used to run duel back in 2001. Okay. That was our play. And the only way to stop it is to load everybody in there. Uh, so the Chiefs came, everybody came flying downhill. And it was a really nice call, man, uh, uh, by the Tampa Bay coaching staff. And, and that was almost a walk in the end zone with Marpet leading the way. Hey, Olin, Jim, I got a question for all of you guys. Six uh, penalties in the first half by the DBs. Do you think these guys are watching the playoffs before the Super Bowl saying, man, they've been letting them play all playoffs, so let's be a little grabby early and just see if we can slow them down? Or do you think it was just bad defensive back play? Go ahead, Olin. No, no, I'm, I'm going to let the quarterback okay. answer that one. I thought, well, I, I thought from that standpoint, the one I thought were legitimate early, like right before half when uh, Bashad Breeland, he somewhat did tackle uh, Mike Evans, and that gave him a big first down. And then they had a second one that was down in, in the goal line. I didn't think yeah. that was a penalty. There was a seam mm-hmm. route to Mike Evans. To me, that ball was uncatchable, but it was still, it was on a first and goal. I think there was 13 sec- seconds left in the half. To me, it just all it did was create another first and goal situation. So it really would have been uh, really second down. I, I didn't think that one was a catchable pass at all, but I still think Tampa would have scored. But clearly, the one on the tipped interception, you know, there's a holding call on that particular play, and it, and it gets takes away that turnover. That one was somewhat suspect, where you could say, "Hey, that was kind of a momentum changing play." on that particular play, but they weren't disciplined enough. You know, people forget Tampa's got every bit of, of weapons that Kansas City does. Granted, mm-hmm. they may not have the team speed at wide receiver like uh, Kansas City does, but between Mike Evans, that Scotty Miller, you got A.B.'s. Think about that. Antonio Brown's your fourth receiver off the off the bench. <laughs> I right. mean, Godwin can play. Hey, 
Hey, fellas, we got to take a quick break. Olin, can you hang with us for a couple <laughs> yeah, minutes? Yeah, sure. All right, we're going to take sure. a quick break. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Hey, the Chicago Bears Network presents Inside the Bears, brought to you by Verizon. Anthony Adams and Lawrence Greeden cover the world of Bears football on and off the field every Sunday night at 1035 on Fox 32 Chicago. We'll watch anytime at ChicagoBears.com or on the Bears official app with Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak. Our guests tonight, Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio and his old teammate Olin Krutz, an expert analyst here on the score as well. Olin, let's talk uh, Bears and the defensive staff. We're going to hear from Sean Desai on Monday. What do you mm-hmm. want to hear? from him in terms of the type of defense he plans on running and what aspects of it do you feel need the boost? Yeah, and I heard Tom mention earlier you want to hear him talk about who his biggest influence is, which we all imagine is uh, Vic Fangio, because really none of us really know much about him, right? And if you look at his his background, uh, you guys do, but I'm talking about guys on the outside of building. Um, he's only been a position coach for two years He's coached the safety, so I don't really know how many guys he has in his room every day. Um, and he's never really called plays on defense unless I, you know, unless I miss out part of his year where he has. So none of us really know what he is except for people in that building. And they're really high on him and former players. I hear them raving about him also. So a lot of people are high on him. But as far as what I would expect, I really don't know, to be honest, Jeff. I don't know what to expect uh, from Sean Desai. I don't know what kind of defense he's going to run. Uh, where do they have to improve? Well, you hope they get back to that 2018 uh, when they were taking the ball away when the team was plus 12 because since that year, uh, they haven't been very good at it, right? They haven't taken the ball away much uh, since that year. I think it's only been 18 and 19 the last two years, and they had around 36 in 2018, and that's a big difference. And then you want to hear uh, what happened at the end of the year and what he's going to do to change that because I think uh, from the bye week on, the Bears gave up 26 points a game and really, you know, 35 and 41, I think it was, against the Green Bay Packers, which really worries you uh, since they're the guys up north. Obviously, they hired Mike Pettin to maybe uh, get some information on, on how to slow that offense down that the Green Bay Packers do have. So, um, you know, f- f- to be a very honest and fair answer, I don't know what to expect from Sean Desai uh, and the coaching staff that they have there now and, and what defense to come out. I would imagine I'm going to see a lot of Vic Fangio's principles uh, try to get back to 2018, to what they were doing. I know Eddie Goldman's coming back. That's really going to help the defense. Roquan Smith hopefully takes another step. Uh, and I want to hear definitely from him when he does get to the podium uh, what he thought happened to Eddie Jackson the last couple years and how we're going to get him back to being the best safety in the game. Olin, what about Akeem? You know, I mean, you look at him and the talk about the conversation about mm-hmm. Khalil Mack and when you point the direction of protection, a lot of time Akeem is due his inside, so it's kind of through Akeem to Khalil Mack. You know, with Eddie Goldman there, you know, do you, you think that it's going to make him a better player, or does Akeem Hicks have to make Akeem Hicks a better player? Yeah, and Akeem, <clears throat> Akeem Hicks is really the engine to this defense, right? When you watch that film uh, on the right. inside, he gets after people. He's a physical presence. Uh, he brings the personality to this defense. Uh, hopefully... Uh, when you talk about the Chicago Bears and their pass rush, 
Hopefully next year, uh, we're a little farther along in this pandemic. We can get the fans back at Soldier Field and really get a home field advantage for a guy like Quinn to come off the edge. But Akeem Hicks, um, dominant player, getting a little older, obviously, uh, but really is the bell call of this defense, guys, that people really worry about. Uh, sometimes you wonder when you watch him, is he dealing with injuries? We heard about Mac uh, dealing with injuries this year. We know that Quinn dealt with a back last year. So if the Bears inside of that building can get their guys back to healthy and strong and feeling good and playing at the level you would expect from that front seven, because on paper, uh, that is a dominant front seven, a front seven that you get excited about in the same way you get excited about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who just won the Super Bowl. So like you're talking about Akeem, Tom, and, and obviously we all enjoy watching him play when he gets after people and he seems to be really aggressive out there. Uh, sometimes uh, I don't know if his knee's bugging him or what, but I think just across that board, uh, I hope this offseason, I know the strength staff, they have a good one there, the nutrition staff, whoever's in that building, whoever's in those roles, I really hope they're getting on those guys about getting healthy, gaining shape, and getting ready for 16 games this year. Uh, that way we can get out of that front seven what we paid for. Well, uh, I'm with you on the defense. I think the consistency and continuity is going to stay there. You know, you go from Vic to Chuck and now Mike Penton. He was in that same Rex Ryan type of defense in, in Baltimore, so I think that will change, stay the same. Have you been happy with the lack of running game by the Bears? I like the commitment towards the end of the season. Mm -hmm. I mean, not a lot of times uh, David Montgomery's had over 20 carries, I think eight total as a, as a Chicago Bear. But is the offensive line serviceable enough? And there's a need to be more of a commitment in the running game. Look at every team in the playoff. 14 of those teams, I just said, 10 of those teams were in, you know running the football extremely well from Baltimore to Tampa uh, to pretty much all those teams. Green Bay, they all run the football extremely well. Right, and, and there really hasn't been a commitment to the running game, right? And we've heard Coach Nagy now for a few years going into the offseason and Ryan Pace last year saying that the offensive line was a problem, uh, you know, and they fired Coach Heastan and they brought in Juan Castillo, another respected coach. But then they started to realize that maybe they have a talent deficit there. And obviously, obviously they lose James Daniels early in the year, who I thought uh, was their best offensive lineman, really rising and coming along as a football player so that really hurt them obviously hurt their running game but you'd like to see montgomery get the ball a little more uh, you'd like to see him get a backup running back uh, that also puts a little fear in the defense because cordero patterson we all have a ton of respect for him uh, he makes a defense you know the defense fears him but he's a special teams guy not really a, a second running back and then ryan nall so you can't really uh, put suit up jimmy graham as your starting tight end have cordero patterson ryan Nall, and tell me you're serious about running the football. So I'd like to see them run the football more. Uh, obviously, this scheme that they try to run from Kansas City, uh, you know, besides Mahomes, it seems to be a quarterback killer. Doug Peterson just got fired. Uh, Wentz is on his way out of town in Philadelphia. So I know they tried to go a little bit more to this outside zone scheme later in the year, which Juan Castillo uh, learned from Gary Kubiak down there in Baltimore and Rick Dennison, the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan outside zone boot scheme, and they ran the ball more and there's some success uh, until they face a little better defenses. So yes, I'd like to see them get a commitment to the run game, Jim, but probably like you, I really don't care how you put the ball in the end zone. The Bears' problem is they don't score a lot of points, and I think in the last 38 games, this offense is only averaging about 28, 20 points a game. And, guys, that is with that 
four-game stretch where they averaged 35 points a game. So if you take that away, uh, they're under like 18 and 19 points a game. And uh, interestingly enough, I think that Coach Nagy, I think he brought Coach Pettit in too to ask him what he's doing to stop his offense. And I think that's where he's coming into. They've only averaged 18 points a game against the Green Bay Packers, kind of like what Sean McVay has done down there. Vic Fangio stopped his offense, so he brought in Staley and talked to Staley about, hey, man, how do I beat your defense? What concepts should I want run? What scheme? So maybe that's also why it's a good idea to get petted in that building. All right, boys, we've got to take a break. Uh, Jim, thank you so much. We'll talk to you next week. And, Olin, it's a, it's a league of connecting the dots, and you just connected a bunch of them, isn't it? <laughs> and plus Appreciate your time. Those skeletons on the plane stay in the closet. <laughs> hey, let's not, let's not, the megaphone, we'll never bring that up. We'll never no, bring no, the megaphone. No, no, what megaphone? I didn't see any megaphone. See boys. All right, thanks, Olin. Come back thanks, sometime, man. will you? Olin Krutz, Jim Miller. Let's take a break. With Tom Thayer, I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Welcome back to Bears All Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Good to have Jim Miller and Olin Krutz on together. Tommy talking Bears football and the Super Bowl really could have Kept on going with that, but a uh, lot to discuss uh, because of the offseason. And you and I, we, we talked about this last week. We talked about it several weeks ago, maybe even on the broadcast uh, of our last game in the playoffs. But the offseason program, I, I've been reading some things. And, and as soon as, I guess, what, in 16 days or 15 days, they're going to they're gonna go to Exos, the, the athletic training. Uh, it's high-level training for all, all sports and all athletes at every level, including professional, but Arizona, Texas, and Florida. Apparently, this is the plan. They're going to do a, a combine-style uh, event, training with more than 130 players going into the draft. So Mark Dominic, the former Tampa Bay executive, and, and Don Gregory, who was a Panthers scout uh, and also their scouting director, they're going to set this up. They're going, to, they're going to run it just like a combine and try to get some sort of base that they're used to because the thing about the combine is that everything for decades is the same. Your environment is the same. Subtle adjustments, but it's the same, and that's where you lean. As somebody wrote about it today, I think Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated, they're your guardrails for scouts and analysts so that you can compare athletes over decades from the same pool of information. Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of unfair that they they minimalize it down to those couple days because it's about your preparation for months. So what that combine does, it gives you an indication of how much you're working, how hard and how much effort that you're putting into it to have the opportunity to be evaluated. And then we've seen guys every year that have high expectations that come in and disappoint you, whether it's a lack of strength on a, on a bench press or it's a slow 40 time. And some guys they have are, they have the ability to overcome that because they're just so talented, or some of them the guys they fall in the draft and they have to reprove themselves. So, you know, I listen. I it, it was different when I came out of college. We had to go to three different combines and do that same event three different times during the course of a couple months. So, it is different. It has changed. But to me, as a player, when I got there and I noticed that. 
a guy was deficient in his strength or he really, you know, you could you could almost talk to his personality and know that he was less dedicated to the game than you. Yeah, it gives you a little bit more hands-on approach, but it should prove the point and how well they're ready to go to the combine. And then there's this tug of war about the offseason. Should it be similar to last year? There are football people who disagree that spring is unnecessary. And I think players are saying it, and because the season was successful. But if you really look at it, and, and this will take some time, you got to go piece by piece. Did the young players suffer from it without an off season, and will they suffer from it if they have a second season of no off season? The veterans probably love it because those young guys might take some jobs. Those jobs may may be safer. Who knows? Well, let's look at two opposite ends of the spectrum because there were such high expectations when they drafted Jalen Johnson that he was going to have to come in and play. But did we know that he was going to play like that, perform at a first-game level and be a starter and, and you know, have good performance is because of it. You know, he didn't have a lot of time to be prepared. But now let's look at the quarterback position. If we would have had OTAs, if we would have had five games of preseason, would the battle of Nick Foles and Mitchell Trubisky been differently decided at the start of the season? Because Mitch had an advantage when they went to training camp. He was more familiar with the system, with the terminology. And I know everything that Nick claimed in terms of, of being familiar with the coaches and the offense and stuff. Still, you know, you, you look at guys like that. Jalen Johnson didn't need a lot of time, but he didn't have a lot of time. Nick had more experience around the NFL and the quarterback and the systems. And, you know, you just weren't allotted, allotted the realistic amount of time that for all these generations of players that we talk about, they've always had the same amount of preseason time to be prepared. All right, Hall of Fame class of 2021. I wanted to ask those guys because they face these players, Olin in particular, but Alan Fanica, a guard. So you're, you're, you're bowing to that right now. I know you love that. Uh, Tom Flores, the, the great coach of the Raiders. Calvin Johnson. John Lynch, Peyton Manning, of course. Drew Pearson finally gets in from Dallas. Charles Woodson, that was a no-brainer. And then a scout, a contributor. This is what I love because there are some guys in this league that have put together a great resume. Bill Nunn of the Pittsburgh Steelers definitely did. 30 seconds, what's your thoughts on the Hall of Fame class of 2021? Uh, Impressive. All those guys are super talented. They were great performing at a high level or even a guy like Calvin Johnson that never had the opportunity to perform at the highest level but he's still considered one of the best players in the history of the league. You get more talent around, surrounded by some of these guys, and maybe their careers would have been differently. Now we got to get Clyde Emmerich in the Hall of Fame. First-ranked coach in the history of the NFL. If there's anybody deserving of being in the NFL, it's Clyde Emmerich. I like it. With a charter franchise in the league, that makes total sense to me. Tom, we're wrapped up for this week. Thank you so much. Enjoy the sunshine. <laughs> Go Bears. All right, that's Tom Thayer. Thanks to Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio and Olin Kruitz for their time tonight. Our producers, Jordan Treadup, Dan Brilli, Brandon Fryer, new to the experience today. Herb Lawrence, Shane Reardon, thank you as always, and most of all to you for listening. This has been Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Good night. Thanks for listening to this Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears All Access. Podcasts are available on chicagobears.com and on iTunes, or download the official Bears mobile app. Bears All Access has been brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Miller Lite.